This is Paul McGann, the eighth doctor. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Go and throw yourself under a bus. I didn't mean to say that. He told me to say that. This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 490 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where being a companion is risky, but around here, just being friends with the doctor can land you in the crosshairs. I'm Kier. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. And I'm Julie. This week, March brackets mean our Tournament of Time competition is back, and it's the semifinals for the Friends of the Doctor. Yeah, back in episode 464, we took a field of eight friends. These are not traveling companions, and very painfully whittled them down to four we used criteria that had to do with each other which we used criteria that had to do with each character's appeal impact on the series overall and one really tough question that being the decision of which one of these two individuals the doctor would risk everything to rescue if only one could in fact be saved yeah it's an unfair thing to make you choose but we subjected ourselves to it too and now it's time to do it again to see who advances in the semifinals. I would highly suggest, if you've got the time, go back and live through the torture that we lived through on episode 464, when we had to take this bracket down through some extremely tough decisions, including, you know, putting River Song against Jack Harkness and Jackie Tyler against Strax. And, and the worst one of all, I think, <laughs> <laughs> the Lethbridge Stewart family. Yeah. The Lethbridge Stewart against the Lethbridge Stewart. Oh, it was awful. It <laughs> yeah, was that, awful. Was, that yep. was unkind. This one isn't much better, though. Like, we, it, it we didn't leave ourselves a lot of room for, for improvement. <laughs> but we will treat this carefully. We will we'll go around and we'll each discuss each of the criteria. So we'll, we'll go around on, for each bracket, who is the most important. Then we'll all go around on who would we most like to see return to screen. There's a little caveat on here for one of these. And then we'll go around on the, uh, the Sophie's Choice <laughs> Kind of, you know, or or what was it? The the good son with the two kids hanging off the cliff. Yep. <laughs> oh, 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 all right. So spoilers for Julie, who hasn't seen the good son, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. You could see my face. I did not know what that reference was to. <laughs> oh, Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood when they were babies. Yeah. I'll save Elijah Wood. I. Think That's the that is the right too. choice. <laughs> yes, because yeah. Macaulay Culkin was messed up. No anyway. offense. <laughs> Macaulay. <laughs> you can he's, defend him. He's he a can cool take guy, it. right? Yeah, he can take, he, he can take it. <laughs> All right. So how things settled in the quarterfinals, um, we ended up with the brigadier besting his daughter <laughs> to advance to this round, but is going up against uh, Santaran Commander Strax. So 
Uh, I'll start just as I'm seeing them on the screen here. Haley, who is most important to the the full extent of the Doctor Who pantheon? I, th- this one's a pretty easy criteria. Strax was a little more than comedic relief, but mostly comedic relief in a handful of episodes. And the Brig is one of the Doctor's best friend across regenerations and decades. So I, you had to put the Brig as the most important to the Doctor's story. Julie, what would you stray from that at all? I would not. <laughs> that one's pretty straightforward, I think, for this this first question on this first grouping, for sure. Yeah. Jay, are we just going through the motions on this one? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. you've got you've got his best friend against a potato. It's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you're really really hungry. Anyway, so that brings us to the second question then. Who would you more want to see reappear on screen in some capacity? And I think before we dive too deep is I think we talked about uh, in the, in the last time when we went through the the qualifiers that this, this truly meant a return on screen and not just a, Oh, there's his portrait on the wall or you hear his voice on the PA system or something like that from a pre-recording. You actually want him on there again. Haley, what would you do in that case? This one is at least a little bit of a challenge because Strax was always entertaining when he was on screen. But I think if we could get another episode of The Brig, everybody would take that. And we would love to see how he would interact with some of the newer iterations of The Doctor. So this one goes mm-hmm. to The Brig as well. Not going to disagree. I think that I would really like to see The Brigadier interact with the modern Doctors and to see how they would in an interesting way, get him involved in interacting with those characters and going on an adventure now with all the technology and all that. I just think there'd be so much you could do. I mean, we're going three for three here because I'd, I we're we're in a, a unique situation here where we have just seen the Brigadier on screen again during our Sarah Jane rewatch. And that emotional punch, like, there's nothing. I, I love Dan Starkey. Uh, I love Strax as a character, like always fun to see him on screen, but the, he can't hold a candle to that punch that seeing the brig on screen again had. I also, when I tried to think this through, I went through an interesting little thought exercise where since this is completely hypothetical and obviously could never be done tastefully, you you, you wouldn't want, um, you know, uh, a reenactment or, or, or some sort of a portrayal uh, of the brig if you couldn't have Nicholas Courtney. Would you then, since this is for the sake of hypothesis, would you want a young Brig who suddenly steps out of, you know, a rift or something and is interacting in his youth? Or would you want something that is more contemporary? You'd want like the Sarah Jane recurrence of Brigadier in retirement, working on his memoirs, kind of a, you know, I'm still not saying that. Long answer short, it's it's, I'm sorry, Strax, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. But now, but now, even within that, the subset, which brig, you know? I think seeing a younger actor take on a younger version of the brig would probably be more palatable than seeing somebody try and play the brig at his the end of his life. See them try and Star Wars CGI the brig back into something. (laughs) Yeah, that's I. It would be it would have to be the right actor, and they would have to nail the character. For me to to accept it, but I think that if they did and they gave it the right level of respect, yeah, that that could be an acceptable alternative. Well, the we got within striking distance when Mark Gatiss played his father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be 
beyond the pale to have somebody playing a very young, like maybe pre-unit uh, Alistair. Maybe. Before he's the brigadier, yeah. like mm. his training scenarios yeah. and how he's getting into Corporal it. Lethbridge Stewart. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so, okay, well, I, I guess that pretty much sums it up. We've, we've overbaked the potato and, and you can stick a, a fork in Strax. Had a good run for it. I feel like this is just a really tough one to overcome. Yeah, I mean, should we, for just for for argument's sake, uh, like just go around the table? Who would the doctor save? I mean, obviously the answer's (laughs) there, but I will say the doctor will always try and say everybody. But you know, in the good son moment, uh, it's also going to be easier to pull the brig up. He doesn't weigh as much, Mm. so I think you've got to save the brig. Yeah, Strax is dense. Also, I have more belief that Strax will save himself than the Brig. He's probably fairly sturdy. That yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah, if it's the, the fall off the cliff, we have a helmet that just goes right well, up around. But then you know, to dig a knife into my own heart here, who weighs more, Strax in full Centaur and battle armor, or the Cyber Brig? Who's still oh. out in orbit right now? I think I think Strax is probably still heavier. Could be. Probably. Could be. He's m- more dense. Pota- potatoes are very dense. They are very yeah. dense. <laughs> well, the the second bracket is not good, uh, and I think it's going to be a little bit of a of a harder decision uh, across the board because that puts Wilfred Mott against Professor River Song. Yeah. So. Where where do we want to begin with this? The most important to the full extent of the Doctor Who stories. Um, so obviously we just, we'll bracket this it, to to the modern era of Doctor Who. Who do you think is the more important character? I for this one am going to go with River Song because she's the wife of the Doctor, and you see her throughout time. She's going backwards, but she plays a very important role for numerous doctors and grounds him and them in certain moments that really makes it, it gives you that full circle from her, the beginning of her life through the end of her life. She is just a part of it. Her entire life means something to the doctor and vice versa. And you don't get that deep emotional connection from the 12th doctor. If you don't have all of that history that goes into it. So I I think hands down River Song for that first one. Okay. It hurts to say, but I, I have to agree that I feel like when you look at the entirety of the story, River Song plays a more important part. Like not not to diminish Wilf's part in it, but it was it was a brief moment where River kind of spans a lot of different things and a lot of universe altering things. Uh, I I think that she is more integral to the entire story of the Doctor. Yeah, I have to agree with everything that Jay and Julie said. River is way more important to the run of the Doctor than Will. Particularly in the in the, in the you know, bracketing uh, multiple iterations of the modern Doctors too, whereas mm. Wolf sort of had a had uh, touch points in. But that's all right. So here's where it gets a little bit uh, a little bit difficult. Because of what we're in knowledge of, uh, of what is in the works. So who is more desirable to see in a return to screen? 
Even without what's in the works, I would want to see more of Wilf. We got a lot of River Song. She's done her story, and I want to know more about young Wilf. Where did Wolf come from? Why is Wolf looking up at the sky? What has influenced his life that he thinks it's aliens? I want to know those things. And also how his family has become so integral into the doctor's life. I want to see how that has an impact on him directly. A day in the life of Wolf. I, d- I don't know what little bit more of Wolf I would want to see. I, I don't know. Uh, again, above the table here, I don't know what we're going to see. Um... But the potential for River to be utilized again as a character, it has been happening in name checks. She's still sort of an active touch point in plot development, even through the 13th Doctor's era, because there was that nice exchange with Yaz about her wife and yes, gets to do the, the, the dog head, excuse me. You know, I, I, I was a different man then, you know, and just move on from there. But to have one or the other return to get something new from them, I, I, I don't know which would be more rewarding outside of their importance. You know, like the previous question was trying to pose everything that you get from Wolf, those little pieces are these lovely little gifts because he's just that grandfatherly, you know, sort of comfort character. Whereas River, the things you would get more from her would be more like spilled tea. Like what, what, what's she been up to, you know, or, or how, how are we going to incorporate her back in? It would make a lot of sense for her to make a little bit of an appearance in this little 14 pocket that we're about to get. So I don't know. I can't, I don't know if I can make a call on this one. You have to. All right, River. Okay, River. Just because I want to see David Tennant squirm. <laughs> <laughs> this one is, is difficult. I'd. I have to give the edge to to Wilf. I feel like we've we've seen a lot of River Song. We've seen the you know the start to the finish of her story. Um, there's plenty in there that I would love to get more information on. Plenty I would love to see more about. But I feel like it's we cannot see any more River and still feel like we had a completed story. Whereas with Wilf, it's we got so little of him. And like Julie said, there's so many unanswered questions. Why is he so obsessed with aliens? You know, what what are the stories that, that happened to him during the war that that made him the man he is? Like, I feel like we can get more from Wilf, and I, I just I, I want to see more of him. I, I would never turn down more River, but gun to my head, if I had to choose between the two of them right now, I'm I'm gonna say Wilf. Okay, tied on that one. Well, while I would You're love to see. Oh, I know. You don't know what Haley's going to say. Oh, please. I I believe I have the catchphrase more river. Um, I will. I would always love to see more Wolf, but if I have to choose between more Wolf and more river, I'm going to pick more river. I, I have the greatest regret that we didn't get to see her with Jody's doctor. um, Cause that would have been a fantastic thing to see, but I want to see how she interacts with other future iterations of the doctor, whether that be tenant coming back or Trudy's doctor or, you know, whoever comes next, I want to see more river. Well, let's take that to the third criterion then. So the reaching forward to pull one person back from the brink, is it river whom he couldn't save once already (laughs) or Wilf, who he already has, who he died. saving? 
Yeah. Yikes. Literally sacrificed his life for. All right. <laughs> Jay, start that one. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like I said, he's he's already given his life for Wilf once. We know that he would. But that's that's the doctor. The doctor would be willing to sacrifice themselves for even one life. I feel like if it was a choice between the two, I'd have to give it to River. As much as he loves Wilf, as much as what as much as we all love Wilf, I just I feel I can't I can't shake the feeling that the doctor would choose River every time. Yeah, I think given the choice between Wilf and River, Wilf, you're great but you've had a good full life and we've got to save River. I try to put myself in the shoes and look as if I'm looking from the doctor's perspective, seeing both of them and literally reaching out and trying to lean towards one or the other. And I think if there were five seconds left, the doctor would start to go towards Wolf. And part of that would be because of his connection to Donna and how important she is, but it's not necessarily a hundred percent about it being Wilf, but river. It's always about being river. And in the end it would, that last second would grab for river and it would, that's the choice that would be made. This won't sway anything because it's already three votes in, but I will be the dissenting voice here because I, depending on which doctor or the, 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 persona of the doctor being forced to make this call decides whether or not logic or passion takes hold and river can regenerate i i Sometimes. was going to say that i i kind of i i partially want to to redo my answer because i i think that the doctor in that situation would would trust river to save herself because she's resourceful as hell and she mm-hmm. always finds a way out so <laughs> She's got wings in her backpack. <laughs> right. She's falling off a cliff. She's she just going to come up the other side. Yeah, she probably got so jet Yeah, jetpack. I, I do think that I have to switch my answer there. I think that the, the doctor probably would go for Wilf because he knows that River doesn't actually need saving. Have we ever had a turnabout on a vote? Are we yeah, allowed to do that? I think we that? did. Uh, yeah? I think when yeah. we did the Masters, I think there was a time where one of us changed our mind based on some things that came up in the, in the Ooh, conversation. Fair enough, fair I enough. think I was the one that actually changed minds, too. Um, it can happen. Um, so I guess by the breakdown of the math, then across each of those three criteria, that still goes to river. Yeah. Uh, Number one was a solid river. Yeah. Yeah. So she swept the importance question and Mm. the other two were, were mixed 50, 50. So yeah, river would advance. He would have to, Wilf would have had to take that last one by waterfall. Oh, yeah. Which oh, means it hurts. <laughs> the huh. end. Oh, oh God. So, now, what why did we do done? this to Hold ourselves? On. Wait, I changed my vote on two and three because out of the Brigadier and Wilf, I know my answers. Yeah. Right. Which means at some point, now, oh, no. the advantage being this is not going to happen for a little while because we've got some other brackets we want to get through. Um, but sure. In a the, thousand little knives. Yeah, exactly. Death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, in the near future, we will get to. The finals bracket for this tournament, which pits Brigadier General Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart against Professor Riversong for the title of the Doctor's BFF. That sucks. I'm sorry. But I'm not was sorry. It, there has been many a sitcom written about, you know, the best friend versus the girlfriend. 
And we're going to see the Doctor Who version of that. (laughs) So don't forget that we also have our other tournament competition coming up to its semifinal round, the Masters Bracket. And we we haven't even started on our classic or modern era companions tournament yet. So, you know, start putting some thought into those heartbreakingly painful choices as well. And don't forget you're a part of this. Keep the comments and emails coming, because if you call it correctly, you'll be entered into a drawing for some exclusive GPR swag. Ding, ding. Can I be entered? No. Staff is not eligible. You would sway the voting. It's unfair. And you can't enter your dog either. (laughs) He's not a listener. (laughs) I know he's not listening. He's... (laughs) He's spent more time on this podcast than Haley has, I think. (laughs) (laughs) He has spent more time on the editing room floor. (laughs) Remember how we always try to preface the tabloid articles with big grains of salt and we want to warn you that we're going to be talking about rumors unfounded unconfirmed this is one of those but because of the fact that it connects so well to a lot of our recent conversations both about the um the hooniverse through disney plus kind of will we see spinoffs again thing to uh, to, to this conversation about wanting to see companion or uh, friends of the doctor on screen again. It just seems like we might've, we might've actually asked for this exact thing many times, but we don't quite have the final green light yet. What What's going on here, Jay? So the article came out that uh, there has been a, uh, all right, we'll, we'll just say that it is a rumor. We have not found any confirmation yet. But there's the possibility of a unit spinoff starring Gemma Redgrave as Kate Stewart. Well-established in the role. Mm-hmm. Beloved enough to show up in comics, Big Finish Audio, bring her back for, you know, the the, the most recent special in all her glory. Uh, and, and actually through the flux as well, right? That was mm-hmm. yep. to, to some of that. So is, is one of those handful of characters that is starting to really transcend multiple eras and showrunners. So got the star power, got the fan appeal. What does that TV series look like, though? If you're going to do a spinoff, what does the unit weekly look like? I think we talked about whether or not it would be kind of a torchwoody thing. You know, when the doctor's not there, who's cleaning up the mess? I was always wondering whether it would be what my original thought for what, uh, like within the MCU, what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to be. You know, having to deal Mm -hmm. with the aftermath of, you know, massive showdowns that tore half the city apart. And and there's ancillary problems that have to be handled by Mm -hmm. someone other than your frontline heroes. But I don't know. I think that that is probably the, the safest option. It, it makes the most sense to to have a show like that, which is like, this is this is their job. This is what unit is meant to do. So if the doctor doesn't show up, they just handle the situation. So I think that's probably the most likely is that it's just this is what Doctor Who looks like without the doctor. One thing I want to see if that does happen regularly, just because of what happened in the most recent is... 
regularly finding new places to operate out of because of destroyed buildings, this wall got knocked <laughs> over, redecorating. I just want to see Kate mm-hmm. just knocking the decoration in a short form out of the park. The end of every episode is a, her doing lease negotiations for new space. That's, yeah, I'm, I'd be the, okay with that very much. That's what okay. the the show is is basically just like the you know the house hunters kind of thing. It's just unit going and finding new headquarters every well, week. One of the series regulars is their real estate agent. <laughs> yes, who is a very kind alien from somewhere that can read. Uh, I don't know something about either the buildings or the people. <laughs> But it, it would make it so much different than Torchwood, which always has a home base. Yeah. So you'd have that to keep it a little bit different, fresh. Join us next week on Unit Headquarters Flippers. <laughs> yeah. We fix it up and trash it. Move on to another one. Well, one thing that we absolutely will not get, uh, at least for the foreseeable future, we'll see how the money starts to roll back in again if the if the marketing arm can actually make this a, a really, really viable global commodity again, is that we we also we've thought about whether or not we'd see something uh, in our spinoffs conversation about six episodes ago. We were talking about whether we would get something for the kids. That was one of my biggest hopes, was that we would get something that would be targeting the youth. So that's a bummer, but I totally understand the money is tough to... You have to sell it to the parents before you can sell it to the kids. But based on reading this specific quote and talking about maintaining the quality with spinoffs and that unfortunately there's not a children ones happening happening now, that makes me feel like he's almost confirming that there is a spinoff happening that is not targeting children, which gives credence to the story we just did about a unit spinoff. Right. So that's all kind of related. It, it seems to be based on... Last few uh, little conversations, both with Radio Times and for Doctor Who magazine, uh, this last issue of uh, Doctor Who magazine was all about Sarah Jane adventures, like the entire cover to cover. The entire thing was, um, you know, interviews with the with past cast and going through all the episode arcs and really diving deep. It's a, it's a fascinating read, um, but it just brings to mind again the fact that the the primary marketing arm of the of the show right now is still keenly aware of the power that that series had and hitting that demographic. So yeah, just as you're saying, Haley, if it's something where keep that idea on the back burner, but don't shut that burner off because it's a matter of um, and then to Julie's point about it, you earn the cash up front and then you can start taking the, I don't want to call them risks or chances, but you start earning yourself the the elbow room within the, the line items on the budget to be able to say, all right, we're going to float a, a six episode series. It's going to be, you know, straight to streaming or something, or, or yeah, maybe they do something that's, that's streaming only and it doesn't actually get broadcast on the BBC. So it doesn't have to go through that same exact licensure uh, hurdles. I don't know. Um, it's kind of new ground each time they they pen one of these contracts, but yeah, you, I don't I don't think you can you can overlook that farm team of new viewers for long uh, and still want to see the show survive another 30, 40, 60 years. You, you you've got to constantly be cultivating a new audience uh, in ways that they can understand and grasp the show. And if Davies is saying like he was saying something about the the, one of the episodes that they've been filming in the most recent block is some of the greatest work he's ever done. And he's so excited about it. And it's going to be, you know, tumultuous and, and earth shattering and all these things. 
that's great. That means that the, the plot is potentially going to be something very dense and something that you really have to sink your teeth into. And kids might not be able to get the fullest extent out of that, especially if it's an emotional turmoil. You don't necessarily want your kids to be delving into the depths of that. So yeah, the need for that, for that niche is always going to be out there. I think. CBBs, step it up. <laughs> um, there is actually a connection to uh, from from that to what just happened this morning as we're recording here, and that has to do with this doomsday multi-platform attempt that they're going to be rolling out between now and November. From the most positive spin on it, I think it's really interesting because it spans multi-platforms. You're going to get a little bit of book, a little bit of comics, uh, video games, a audio as well. Mm-hmm. I think Big Finish is jumping in there. So yep. from a we want more content perspective, I think it's a really positive thing. Yeah, it has a potential to be. The, the premise is, is super straightforward. Yeah, it's. I mean, you have the the world's or the universe's deadliest assassin has twenty four hours to live, and the only way that they have any option is to find the doctor. So they're bouncing all over the universe trying to find the doctor. So, I mean, it's a it's a fairly straightforward premise. It's something that we can put into words. Which the the previous outing with the Time Lord Victorious, we couldn't really do that with because even to this day, I'm still. Not 100% sure. That seems to be a lot of the point of conversation right now, that direct parallel with uh, Time Lord Victorious because of the way that that was executed, um, both to the positive and to the negative. Positive insofar as the fact that it, it keeps the it keeps all of the facets of the franchise working, collaborating on something that that shows that they're all excuse me, all invested in a storyline that fascinates them. And they all have something to be able to contribute to that visually, um, auditorily, or or in, in, in strictly text format or what have you. The first thing I noticed right off the top, especially when they dropped the minute and a half or so little uh, teaser uh, that they did for sort of introduce you to the character of Doom, it seemed a little... Um, I don't know, you know, sophomoric or sort of just uh, simple uh, in its in its production quality. It, yeah. it, to me, it felt like a presentation of here's all this terrible stuff going to happen, and it was too happy for your life's about to end in 24 hours. Which I know they're trying to make it inviting and have you join the journey, but I'm okay with a little bit of grit in there. Well, that could be to say something about the tone of it because of the comedian, the actor who you have playing this character, maybe it is going to be a sort of a dark comedic or sort of snarky sort of journey but to be determined. Not really sure. There's very little information exactly about, uh, about what pieces and when we're going to get them. Big finish has already put out some things saying, all right, you know, we're invested in this. You're going to be seeing a couple of productions from us related to it, but not no you know, terrible specifics about uh, synopses or anything like that. But we put it out to to listeners this morning uh, on this and heard from a few of you uh, about, in some cases, concerns over that production quality, and in some cases, some sort of justification uh, of why it might look the way it is and why this is something that's being rolled out in the way that it is, where you just get, here's the premise, boop, right up front, super simple to understand, it takes only about 10 words to say so, and wait for the rest. 
and of from uh, uh, Kevin Bernard, who's been on the on the show with us, and says that it you know it might have uh, something to do with sort of the tonality being uh, established for uh, for the content to come. To of all people, Rachel Talley chimed in with us this morning and uh, sort of expressed an interesting take on it. And she said she's kind of curious as to whether or not this is a uh, a Disney and BBC collaboration effort specifically pushing for, uh, for, as we were just talking about, the idea of growing younger audiences. Um, uh, and while she may, may or may not find it particularly compelling based on the way it's been described, it may land with a child, a, a youth audience, much differently. So that's got a lot of merit to it for exactly the Sarah Jane-ish kind of thing we were just talking about. I mean, and from what I've I've seen, it it feels like there is a more uh, there's more attention being put to a a coherent through line, which Time Lord Victorious didn't really have. You know, you're like, oh well, you know, there's there's books out there and there's comic books and there's this and that and the other that you can you know follow the story through, but there was nothing really that was like this is the the way that the story plays out or something like that where with with doomsday you have the you know the ticking clock kind of thing so if i pick up a comic book and it starts 16 hours left okay i know exactly where this falls into the story yeah i go and i play the video game and 20 hours left okay this came before that so it's immediately you kind of have a, a a way of knowing where you are in the story so even if you're bouncing around a little bit it makes more sense that's a really good point, Jay. I didn't even think about it from that perspective, but that grounds it in the the realm of what that story is going to cover, and you know exactly where you are. That's a right. clever... <laughs> there, the, the pushback that I'm seeing at the moment is really more targeted towards the, the fact that this is, while it is a multimedia and, and multi-platform collaboration, it is yet again, one that requires a monetary investment from the fan base to acquire. So that's, and that is an absolutely valid concern. That is something where that almost works against the idea of if you were doing this towards trying to to get the kids excited about something that's going to be coming in November and you want to keep them amped up about it because they they are the type that are working across you know, they're watching a screen while they have a tablet on their lap and a phone in their pocket and a comic in their you know under their arm and and, and you know and so on, and they and they're so adept at being able to handle all of that input and and process it into a into a more collective story, but they have to hit their parents for a couple of bucks or a couple of pounds or a couple of euros at every tick in the box. But you know. what do you expect that they're going to be making this content for free? Was it yes, ever please. going to be just I mean, everyone would like for that to yeah. happen. However, all of these platforms, do you do they continue to make good quality stuff mm-hmm. if they're not charging for it? I guess it depends on whether or not you are treating this as uh, as a marketing effort. If this is something where you are trying to feed the machine for later viewership, then that's part of your marketing budget. Mm. Uh, for the upfront costs for some of these productions, and maybe it isn't in that case. Maybe there are there are the full novel availability. There are full big finish productions for for you know twenty dollars a turn or whatever they cost you, or your comic for a few dollars. But there are in addition to 
the webisodes, the, the little, um, the five minute little um, audio freebies, uh, you know, free comic book day, throw something in there so that there's, there's stuff for individuals who can't pony up for those components too. In addition. I, I also wonder how much of the story you're going to feel like you're missing if one of these mediums is not yours. You know, if, if you, you're cool reading comics and, listening to audio, but you don't really get into playing video games. How much of the story are you going to be missing out from not participating in that platform? I think the, the danger in, because you, you very well could have like webisodes be one of the outlets or, you know, other free articles that you can give to people that you at least get some of the story. But the, the problem you run into then is if it doesn't feel like it, you're getting the complete story, then it feels very much like, oh, hey, here's a sample to to get you to spend more money. Like it's, mm. it it can feel very, very slimy, you know. So absolutely put the put the conclusion of the story behind a paywall if that's what you want to do. But you have to make sure that if you do free stuff, that it feels like a a genuine offering instead of just a trial offer, right? And anything that is paid, it had better be of a good quality and give you some really interesting content so that you have that value provided for something that was paid for around this story. Yeah. We've had uh, listeners who have chimed in with us that have like tried to like uh, uh, Lee, um, Lee Calton tweeted us and said that they had gone through and tried to do the full Time Lord Victorious run and tried to grab all the content they could. And when they found out at some point really late in the game that they had missed a piece, um, that was kind of a, a, a matter of, oh, okay, now I got to go grab that too and sort of fit it back into what I had already processed from all. But their specific final take on it was, that, in their words, that it was ultimately confusing and a little unsatisfying. If you have these little pieces for this doomsday thing, which in my mind, I keep taking myself back to doomsday and like like doomsday, doomsday, like like Billy Piper. They've attended Doomsday. They should have worked on <laughs> right. something else for the name. This is going to throw me off. Uh, but if they do something where the stories are all little capsules from within that 24-hour span, they have to have a story arc within themselves. But you know the end point has to be this matter of, you know, uh, I'm being chased by death itself and only the doctor can save me. And that's your culminating event. What is what is the consequence and what are the stakes of all these things that happened in the stories prior? I, I, I can't wait to see what they do with that. But that's from a writing perspective. That's really freaking difficult. True. It's a multi-platform writer's room. You're going to get different takes, I think, on a similar story. And who's coordinating all of that? And I, I think that some of it is going to work. And it's very likely that you're going to have some that that don't, but as long as the overall is in that positive, then hopefully, you know, they can continue to refine this process. Cause I like the idea. I like the, Hey, we're telling a story, pick your medium and you can have part of it. You know, if you want the whole thing and can go, th I like this idea. I like that. It is something that extends past watch the, the, the newest episode of Dr. Who, and that's all you get. So if they can continue to refine it and turn it into something that they do well, I'm, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. Yep. I will give props, though, for one more entry because 
uh, Taylor nailed this, and I call it the Martian effect or the life on Mars effect. And then he had noticed that assuming that wherever Doom is, is on a 24-hour world clock, <laughs> instead of saying, you know, we should have called this like 16 or 41 or something like that. <laughs> because, yeah, what if it's a Martian day? Because everything is Earth-centric. Oh, man. Yeah, specifically Britain-centric, so... But what if yeah. you're on a base six numbering system? Then your day just got a whole lot shorter, and this is going to be a lot less content. That explains Arizona time zones. Well, I think we've just learned maybe that Gallifrey is on a 24-hour time clock. What a dink! No, de- no, death is on a 24-hour time clock. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I think Terry Pratchett established that. I think that's been... I was just about to say that. (laughs) Well, you know. Well, uh, when we come back next time, we're going to be getting back to our classic rewatch with The Caves of Andrazani. Yeah, we'll have a special guest in studio for that one. Been looking forward to this for a long time. This is a tentpole moment in a classic rewatch for sure. Yeah, it is. Well, this has been episode 490 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, why why do we have to trim down the friends so much? Even MySpace gave me like a top eight. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Kier saying, never, ever, ever underestimate the cost effectiveness of a webisode. And this is Julie saying... Truly great friends are hard to find, difficult to leave, and impossible to forget. That's nice. Yeah. And this is Haley saying, I can't wait to see River dunk on the brig in the championship game. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time. I'm Ozzy. Cheers. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen. Gallifrey Public Radio is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time. Honestly, darling, who does trim your mustache?